Welcome everyone. It is Pro Wrestling Audio with Jack Bonza. I'm your co-host, Joel Brown, and the leader of the Red Nation, Jack Bonza. Hello and welcome once again. Hey Joel, how you doing? Very, very well. Big show, big show coming up. Hashtag, you're gonna notice us. Uh, it's all about hashtags these days, Bonza. You know, I really got no idea about any of it. Uh, the only thing is, um, PWA Movies was trending number one last Saturday night for about two hours. Uh, number one in Australia. <laughs> so I know it's a good thing uh, to get hashtag. I know you can follow topics. I think originally the, the idea was supposed to be to connect different people to be like, oh, you click on that topic, you can see other people's tweets that you don't know about what they think about a certain subject. But it basically became a way of just summarizing, you know, whatever your point was, <laughs> you know, hashtag trying to make a point. Uh, it's not so good but i mean while we're talking hashtags let's get some hashtag synergy happening especially with the show pro wrestling audio with jack bonza are we going to go with hashtag pwa bonza or hashtag pro wrestling audio i think pro wrestling audio i always always like uh i always like put like stuff that it says what it is like pwa bonza could be could be fucking anything That's true. <laughs> At least people see Pro Wrestling Audio. They know what they're getting into. All right, then. You heard it here first. Hashtag Pro Wrestling Audio. And before we get to the main event, Bonza, which is hashtag you're going to notice us, going to be talking with Mick Moretti all about that for episode four. Uh, before we get there, last week, episode three, COVID-19 and its effect on the Australian wrestling scene. We did get the punters, if they were keen to win a Jack Bonza t-shirt, to uh, hit us up on the interwebs. Uh, go to all the major podcast outlets like Spotify, uh, of course iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts. Give us a five-star Meltzer review, rate, review, subscribe, all that good jazz. And to take a screenshot of that, hit us up on Twitter, all the socials, at Jack Bonza or myself at Joel Brown underscore JB to win a free Jack Bonza t-shirt. Thanks to the guys there at Wrestler Merch. And Wrestler Merch, uh, they're doing some pretty good things, yeah? Yeah, Wrestler Merch doing really well. They're constantly expanding new new wrestlers signing up every week. It's been, uh, yeah, it's, it's turning into a really good a really good merchandising website. And a drum roll, please. There it is. It's bad production value. And it is a very big congratulations to Ben Gray at Saxophone Hero 95. Uh, I'm glad that Ben is a saxophone hero, a uh, big fan of the, the saxophone. I mean, I think Sexy Saxman comes to mind. Uh, and if you're keen on the Australian indie scene being music, uh, check out Alex Cameron. He has a uh, business partner and a saxophonist called Roy Molloy. Check him out. Uh, but yes, Ben Gray, uh, he is now uh, the lucky winner of the uh, Jack Bonza t-shirt. I'll be in contact with him uh, in the next coming days to let him know that he's won. Uh, and yeah... What shirts has he uh, got there uh, to check out there, uh, Bonza? All, what is it? I think two or three to pick off? Yeah, I think there might be four shirts. <laughs> I mean, being a numbers guy there, Bonza, I mean, four, it is an even number. Uh, so it's not an uneven number. But maybe uh, can you give the listeners a bit of a taste of uh, what designs uh, are available for Jack Bonza at Wrestle Merch? Uh, you, got the, you got the Mandalorian. Um, you got the me dressed as the... Um, Boba Fett with Kingsley and the little teacup as Baby Yoda is probably the most popular one. Uh, you've got some of the, you know, the um, we refer to it as the um, the False God T-shirt. It was the it's the Nation symbol in metal with the Red Nation spray painted over the top, inspired by Batman versus Superman. Um, and then uh, there's the um, there's a couple of the other ones. Jess Reed, uh, shout out to Jess Reed. Uh, just 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 generic Jack Bonzer designs by him. And then there was one by. Uh, um, Goonie Tunes is a is a quite a big tattoo artist. If you ever check out his Instagram stuff, he did me like a flying hellfish style uh, t-shirt as well. I think those are the, the main ones that you can get your hands on. So that is a big congratulations to Ben Gray at Saxophone Hero ninety five. He will be in possession of a Jack Bonza t-shirt. We'll be reaching out to him very soon. Uh, but uh, this, what I'm about to do, we call this a teaser in the radio biz. Uh, so if you wait until the end of this podcast, your chance to win another prize. Hmm, what could it be? You have to find out at the end of the show. But it is episode four, Pro Wrestling Audio with Jack Bonza. 
Hashtag you're gonna notice us. Now, when I say hashtag you're gonna notice us, what does that mean? What does it mean to you? Uh, I don't know, man. I always hate the uh, I always fa- hate the fact there's no apostrophe <laughs> in the you're. You are you are gonna notice us. You're so yeah. you're one of those grammar guys, yeah. German us for years. Yep, absolutely grammar Nazi. Uh, it drives me nuts but no yeah so the the you're gonna notice us you know it was very important it's very important in the in the recent history of australian wrestling as silly as it sounds you know i i I don't think mick knew when he was starting when he started it uh we'll find out a little bit later when we talk to him uh but yeah like i just before we uh before we dive into it you know it's just the impact that it's had on a lot of a lot of uh australian wrestling you know it's really put it just gave us a name, you know, it gave us a, a banner to rally under, you know, because I think, uh, again, my opinion on the subject of why you're going to notice us is, is so important. Um, I actually, I did my research, I had a little bit of a look back and stuff like that. Like, first of all, for anybody who doesn't know what it is, um, if you type in, you're going to notice us, uh, Mick Moretti into Facebook, you'll be able to find it. It's basically a, a, a promo that he did a promo video he did where he talks about um i think it was iwtv wrestling or something like that did a did a title where they had categories for different countries and they had like you know america and japan and britain but then they just kind of had an all-encompassing one that was the rest and australia was included in the rest Mm. and that seemed to stick in mick moretti's craw because he was like we shouldn't be included in the rest where there largely is no pro wrestling because there is a very good thriving pro wrestling scene here so if he just did a promo where he said he's come to america he's gonna start kicking the doors down um he's gonna he's gonna do all this stuff because there are all these great there's all this great stuff happening in australia and i think it's time that we all get together to show people that there is something great here so use the hashtag you're gonna notice us to show the rest of the world that australian wrestling has something to offer was it? I like to think of it. It's the pro wrestling version, but a much better version of Lara Bingles. So where the bloody hell are you? Uh, for uh, use for Australian tourism, it was supposed to be the second coming of Paul Hogan's. I'll put another shrimp on the barbie for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still remember that one, and I still remember that ad. So it worked on me. Uh, but I think that's a very apt. Uh, comparison because it's a marketing slogan you know it, it's putting it's putting something in people's heads that they can associate with us to rally around the concept of you know coming here that we exist it's a it's a, tour, it's a tourism ad um so that's actually a really interesting thing but i just want to put it in the context a little bit the the promo was released on the 2nd of june uh 2017 that's adam hoffman's birthday uh for anybody who's wondering uh it was the original twitter got 75 retweets 145 likes and according to it has 6.9 thousand views and then on facebook it had 168 shares 268 likes and more than 13,000 views it was also screen recorded and put across a myriad of platforms collectively it's estimated to have had more than a hundred thousand views on it um which was which is you know giant that sounds like you almost read it off a Wikipedia page. Has it got its own Wikipedia page yet? I, I have no idea. I just I looked I looked up the promos on Twitter and Facebook and I went and I wrote them down. And you are um, a numbers guy. I'm a numbers guy and accountant. It's it's how my brain works. Um, and then eight days later, June tenth, two thousand and seventeen, he released "You're Gonna Notice Us" number two, hundred eleven likes on the on the other one sorry i haven't written down the other stuff on there it's lazy of me but the, the major note i had on the second one was that he released a t-shirt hashtag you're going to notice us it was largely about um selling the t-shirt and to recognize the success of the, of the first one it had a similar um share reach and likes and stuff like that the third one was december 5th 2017 uh it was in response to tommy dreamer talking about how he put australia on the map <laughs> Which for for a little while was it was was the big thing on Australian wrestling Twitter, which I think is great. You know, like just the controversy of something like that again bands us all together under one banner, a common enemy, if you will. Not that Tommy Dream is uh, my enemy. I think he just you know maybe said something careless. Uh, but the fact that it was um, the fact that it was so like everybody just went no fuck you, uh, and we all did it together at the same time. I think that just that just kind of goes to show the strength. You know, because the thing was, and this is what I want to get into. Like when you look back at it. 
And I'm just trying to get all my notes together because, again, something like this could be difficult. The reason why we needed the banner to run under, the reason why it was so successful is because you had all these great wrestlers doing all this great stuff. And people still did not know that Australia existed Mm. in terms of a wrestling territory. You know, like uh, it just nobody knew that we were there. And the reason why nobody knew that we were there is because largely for an extended period of time in any measurable, material, viewable way, we weren't. We didn't exist, you know, like, and because the thing is, and this is what it goes back to, is that there's no, there's no legacy in Australian wrestling. We don't really have forefathers to teach us, to hand something down to us. We have to create it ourselves from scratch, largely, you know, like, it's not something that, you know, like America, where there was the older guys who trained the newer guys and the newer guys. We didn't have that older generation of wrestlers. They were dead, kaput. There was nothing there. And, and the reason for that, you know makes perfect sense when you go back and look at it like uh i think the thing that everybody talks about is world championship wrestling wcw um was the australian territory it was the last mm. australian territory before probably the current kind of generation uh it started in 1964 and it ran through to 1978 now it was largely successful um they were doing you know eight thousand people at the horton pavilion they were on regular tvs on saturdays and stuff like that like my grandmother like because my my here's the thing and this is what makes sense my parents had never seen wrestling in australia mm. my grandmother had uh according to her my grandfather one of their first dates was to see i think i want to say she said chief little wolf um and they said he used to ham it up with an indian deathlock and it was just it was just this thing that she knew that because she went and watched wrestling back then. But, mm. but there was but you can actually tell this generation gap. My grandparents knew about it. My parents knew nothing. I know about it. So like that, it got killed. And the reason why it got killed is because in 1978 it got taken off TV coverage. Now, when you don't have TV coverage, you can't tour. People may not realize that. Like you look at something that says like let's try and draw 5,000 people, 10,000 people to a show. Let's just do an arena show. It won't work. Never work in a million years because you have to have like a national TV coverage. The only reason WWE is able to tour towns and get, you know, draws of a thousand to ten, five thousand people or whatever every time they tour is because they're on TV every week. People watch them on TV every Monday and then once a year they'll come to their town and they'll go and see them live. But they're still with them the other the other weeks of the year. If you if you don't have that many people watching you on TV every week, you can't draw that many people to a live one-off show. It can't be done. You actually need the regularity to build up fan bases. It's just impossible to that, get that kind of coverage either. In my, you know, in my opinion, at least in my business opinion, it doesn't make sense. So you actually need that live TV coverage. And when it went off the air in 1978, the local business died. They couldn't draw the numbers they were doing anymore. They couldn't fly people in anymore because um, they're probably there were some local wrestlers like yeah the 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 fabulous kangaroos and stuff like that who are known as tag team specialists which led to relevos australianos the tag team rules which is technically what lucha libre slide under three-man tags are called in mexico but that's a whole other story and podcast but you had a lot of those guys um they couldn't afford to be brought out anymore in the local scene they died off and stuff like that and so it pretty much just died because there was no money anymore because they couldn't draw because there was no tv coverage now the reason why there was no tv coverage is because in 1978 it was uh kerry packer took over channel nine and and as the rumors and stuff kind of go like one of the driving factors i'm sure there was multiple things but one of the driving factors was that he owned cricket mm. and he owned channel nine but before the 1970s cricket was not our national sport what happened was he got rid of all the secondary sports he could. He totally blanked everything off TV except for cricket and started calling it our national sport because he owned cricket and he owned the TV station and he was able to monopolize it. So that's when wrestling got kicked off TV. Because of that, there is a generational gap in wrestling where, where there was nothing. So everything we've had to do is, is started from nothing. But the thing is, I think especially when you have, and if you go back and listen to, say, uh, Those Were the Days, which was like – um. Robbie Eagles, Matt Diamond, CJ Phoenix's podcast where they talk about their um their backyard wrestling. What Shout drew out. a lot of, well yeah, what drew a lot of them in was when it first got shown on TV and they started doing their backyard stuff. Um it was like, you know, Jeff Hardy it was like it just stuck out in their heads to those guys for some reason. I, I think for a lot of people it was probably Steve Austin. And you know, there are a lot of like other other things like that where we started wanting to do it ourselves. Then you get people like Madison Eagles who traveled overseas, got taught to wrestle by people overseas who didn't have the generational gap, come back to Australia and then teach everybody else. 
you know, and that kind of started in the early 2000s. Um, so that's where we've kind of drawn up from. But if you pay attention, I mean, like it was, it was like Madison Eagles it was like uh, Jag Hartley Jackson. He did a lot, particularly around uh, Adelaide and Perth, uh, Melbourne and City. You know, there, there are different people like that who kind of had to pull it from the ground up. You know, like went overseas and then and then came back and then taught the local guys. And that's where you get like the next generation of people being taught by like Madison Eagles and stuff, which is like you know. Robbie Eagles and me and Mick Moretti came from and then we had to struggle with it for a while and now we're kind of getting to the point where we're starting to produce something something good uh, but yeah so like we kind of had that gap where we didn't exist and then we've had to kind of will something into existence but there's still no internet largely there's still like there's nothing on TV here there's nothing being sent over there um, that's really that's really working out like a lot of Americans idea of us is still the boomerang and the, and the hat from the Paul Logan ad that you um Mm. that you mentioned before but then you look at stuff like the frustration okay so if you start looking at a little thing like okay 2011 what happened in 2011 madison eagles who'd been working with shimmer overseas became the first non-wwe or tna person ever to be named the number one pwi female number one wrestler in the world she's australian where did they think she came from mm. nobody thought to ask you know um and also the other thing that happened in 2011 were Shane Hayes, now known as Shane Thorne, um, and Mikey Nichols, now known as Mikey Nichols, <laughs> uh, TMDK got contracted to pro wrestling Noah in Japan. They started to spread the fact that there was serious wrestling here, but still nobody for some reason thought that there was anything here like it just didn't occur to anybody to think about it you look at buddy murphy gets signed to wwe in 2013 he was not seven foot thunder he's not a seven a six foot ten he's not nathan jones you know he didn't get picked up because of his size he got picked up already knowing how to wrestle he's only my height you know maybe a little taller but like he, he's not like one of those giants who got picked for his body and size he's somebody who got picked because they thought he might be a good wrestler you know uh the, the peyton royce and billy Kay in 2015 but at the same like and it's starting to happen more often here you know we're starting to get out a little bit more because this scene is growing into something good if you actually look at our shows like uh we did the watch along party uh at 2015 show it's pretty good the, the actual quality of wrestling is pretty good but like there was like especially when you compare it to a lot of more famous stuff, we're just as good or better, we think. But we're still struggling for this thing because essentially you have hundreds of wrestlers individually screaming into a void. What Mick Moretti did at just the right time, just the right time, he put a banner out that we could all together shout this same banner. So instead of individually us all trying to break through as a group we could barge through mm. and and you know we talked with mick a little bit about it but like part of it was the language he didn't say hey if you have a look we're going to be good or, or or please take a look he said you are going to notice us we are going to kick the door down now together and it, it doesn't matter what you do what you say we're fucking coming like and then that was that's why i think it was such a powerful message all these people who who knew they needed something who were frustrated uh with the lack of with the lack of notice and he put some thought into it and he came up with exactly what why we were all frustrated even if we didn't realize that's what we we're frustrated about he put a term on it we're not being noticed that's what's frustrating we're doing all this work we're pushing in all this stuff and nobody has any fucking clue nobody will even glance in our direction and he just came out and said no you're going to now i'm in america and I am going to force you at least a little bit to start looking. And I've got all these other people behind me at the same time. And that's why I think it works so well. And I think, I mean, from a wrestling fan standpoint as well, while it is as much encouraging for the talent, but I think it's something that the wrestling fans, the Australian wrestling fans could jump onto as well. And I think it's so indicative or it's such an Australian thing to – Australians always seem to love the underdog and in many respects, Australia see themselves as this underdog. I mean, you know, you go from music business or whatever, you know, the Yanks have always kind of seen this as, as less than not on their level sporting, you know, and this is no different. And not only did it give people like yourself something to, like you said, grab onto, but I feel the fans as well to be like, Hey, look over here. Absolutely. You know, I think fans get like frustrated. They might feel it less so now, but I, I can only imagine being a wrestling fan in 2000 and you know 2012 and you know loving kenta 
or, mm. or, or losing your shit for the Bullet Club with Machine Gun Anderson and stuff like that or you know anything like that but what do you do you, you can't go and see any of this stuff live mm. let alone having your own local stars that you can actually within reason travel to see because it feels like there's nothing here but then the odd fan gets onto it and they're like oh these are actually pretty good I wish that these guys would get more notice so they can do this or whatever or I'd love to see one of my local guys take you on someone overseas because I think it would be amazing but when they don't know anything is happening overseas like when no one is looking in our general direction like how, how can you you know Australia is always going to be at a disadvantage because there's only 20 million people you know that, that, that means there's only 20 million wallets you know, mm. compared to America that has 360, 370 million wallets, they they can produce something. Like, you know, indie shows can run over there. Guys can work four times a week. There simply are not that many shows here because there aren't that many people who can pay to go and see that many shows and that many regular basis. So we're always going to be the underdogs. We're always going to be on the back foot. But especially in a digital age, like there's no reason why we can't get a lot of online viewers, why our guys can't get out there and why our guys can't get noticed more. Well, we said before we went on air, um, the guys at Progress were showing a lot of PWA matches, uh, Coliseum, I believe. They showed night one on PWA's um, uh, of PWA's Coliseum tournament last year, and um, and I think the other thing was too, like people watching it. Like I got a, I woke up to a bunch of new followers this morning, you know, like so did the PWA page, uh, I'm pretty sure. And then at the same time, like you look at some of the previous ones that they've shown on Progress TV, they've tweeted about it and they've said this is what's coming up. Check out the Progress thing about today. Halfway through the event, they tweeted. Wow, this is really good. <laughs> you know what I mean? And those people have been – we've wrestled them. You know, we had a cross-promotional show with us at EPW and MCW and Progress. Um, like, well, that was the show we did at the start, you know, and that was kind of when we were just uh, when we were just starting out. But, you know, they, they commented on how good it was. And then when we kind of tagged them because, you know, I don't – this will be released once it's already done. But there was the, um, the thing on Twitch – on their Twitch was night one, but our Twitch is night two. So the whole thing is that hopefully – like we're kind of hoping that the fans who watch night one might get sucked into our stuff by saying, Hey, you want to see the next night? It's on our socials. You know, it's just general idea. And you got, and you got Travis Banks to, to watch along with it too, you know? So it's just, it's all about getting, trying to get people's attention. But when we did that, we tagged progress mm. and progress retweeted it and told people to go and watch, you know, progress is WWE's like secondary company in, in England. Like that's a massive thing for them to do to like give their at least mini social media endorsement to us, you know. But it's it's again because it's the same thing as always happens. You always think a certain thing, you always think it's gonna be a certain way, and then we somehow force you to sit there and watch it for five minutes <laughs> and you go, Oh, that's better than what I thought and you know, that's what Mick said. He said you're gonna fucking notice us and they are <laughs> Well, speaking of Mick Moretti, uh, hashtag you're gonna notice us, let's uh, hashtag get into it. What do you reckon? Let's get to your sit down with Mick Moretti talking about hashtag you're gonna notice us, eh? Hey? Yeah, I think we get I think we bring in Mick to talk about it at this point. Um, and we can get all the details um, from the from the guy and what he was thinking uh, when he when he brought it out in the first place. Oh hello! The Rapscallion is bringing you a message. In light of the recently created What Culture Pro Wrestling, Pro Wrestling World Cup, in which Australia and New Zealand have been filed away into a rest of the world category. <laughs> this brings to light a bigger issue that I've got, in which Australia and New Zealand are constantly being overlooked and ignored. <laughs> Despite the fact that we can generate world-class talent. Don't believe me? Look around! You'll see us popping up everywhere. <laughs> so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna make a change. Make a change. I've brought myself here to the United States of America to get it started. To start a revolution, if you will. I'm gonna do whatever I have to do to get whatever attention I need to get. I've created myself a little hashtag. <laughs> Consider this video, that hashtag, a recruitment drive. For anyone from Australia, New Zealand or abroad who agrees with this message, fans, wrestlers, promoters, anyone, Dream. use that hashtag, share this video, regram, retweet, whatever it takes to access our combined viral reach and shove our talent down their throats. <laughs> oh, Australia and New Zealand promoters, it's time to start getting the good stuff online because people are going to start coming looking for it. 
<laughs> All the trouble I'm gonna cause, I can guarantee the world one thing. You're gonna notice us. Okay, so we're here to talk about uh, hashtag you're going to notice us. Um, obviously, we've talked about it a little already, but we just want to uh, want to hear it from the man who started it all. The uh, man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> so I guess the first thing is, you know, start at the beginning. Uh, when you filmed it, you weren't in Australia. You're in America. What were you doing when you, when you filmed it? Well, it was early on in my, my very first trip overseas. It was in Philadelphia with Jess Troy at the time, and it was, I can't remember exactly how soon into the trip, but this was a 20-week trip that we had planned, and I think it was on the second or third week, maybe, because before going, I'd rolled my ankle, so I couldn't actually train or perform or anything, so it was really frustrating getting to America and getting to Chikara, and then sort of having to sit on the sideline for the first little bit while my ankle did its final little bit of, of, of recovery. But it had been something that I'd sort of thought about approaching the, the the trip itself. And once I'd gotten there, I thought, well, I can't do anything yet. But th So this will give me something to turn my attention to so that when I do get back straight into action, I've, I've kind of got this message and this package that I can carry. So we were staying in the northeast-ish area of Philly in like a pretty ghetto-ass area. And I just took my phone outside and I was like, all right. I know the dot points that I want to say. Let's fucking get this. <laughs> I guess that kind of brings us to a little bit of a different question. But like, what were you thinking? Why were you thinking about it? Because the thing that strikes me, and we'll get onto this when we get to the second one. But the thing that I think is a little bit interesting about this, and please don't take this as any insult. How much of it was designed to start a movement and how much of it was uh, self-promotion for Mick Moretti? Well, it was always going to overlap. Like, it was just a natural thing. Like, I can't go out there and say, I'm a wrestler from Australia. I'm going to promote how good Australia is and then not sort of promote myself in the meantime because as soon as you carry that message, you've got to back it up and be good and and be good enough to sort of say, oh, okay, well, this guy's saying they're great. He's obviously impressed. Maybe it's worth checking it out. So I didn't really measure the, the in part how much it was, but I saw it as more of an opportunity that, like, I was always going to be self-promoting every time I go overseas anyway. It's inevitable. It's what every pro wrestler does when they travel. They self-promote. It's what you've got to do if you want to succeed. The idea of this was in that self-promotion, I carried with it this message so that I could then share the promotion that I gained for myself as much as possible. Right, and the, and the promotion that other people get, you could also bring on onto you. That was the idea, was, was to start putting everyone in the same sort of bucket together and start sharing reach because then anytime i travel and i say you're going to notice us they look at that and then that brings them back to other stuff that's going out here whether it's me using it someone else using it someone else back home using it and then the same thing if you or shazza or madison or robbie were traveling and then they started using the hashtag any new fans that you might encounter might be like oh yeah, they're good enough that i want to check out what's going on they've used this thing they look into it and then they're brought back again to what's going on in australia and where, where they actually came from so the idea was kind of forcing people to, to, to turn their eyes as to where you've come from. Because I think sometimes fans don't have the initiative to go, oh, this person's really good. Like, what promotion did they come from? What country did they come from? Like, I should have a look at their roots. You don't, they don't really do that. But this, in my head, was a design to sort of say to them, no, no, go and have a look at where we've come from because it's worth the time. I mean, that's, that's exactly what I was driving at. Yeah. Like, the whole thing just being this big, this big banner. So just to... Just to talk through it some more, uh, when you first released the promo, I guess this is like a two-part thing, but what was the initial reaction? And two, did you expect it to blow up the way it did? Well, the initial reaction was actually really quite good. I was I was so unsure of myself as to whether I should do it or not. I, I In my own head, I was like, is this like hokey? Is this like self-indulgent? Is this just stupid? Um, I, I just had all these second guesses. And Jess was like, no, I think it's a good idea. I ran up past Roberto Eagles and asked what he thought. And he was like, no, nah, dude, I think it's pretty good. I think it's like a, a decent idea. He's like, roll with it. So I'm like, all right. And so I was like, fuck it. And that was the first time the Rapscallion ever did one of his glitch kind of broken promos, if I remember correctly, with all the effects and stuff. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was a learning curve in itself. And I think 
that was kind of a double whammy because people got to look at me doing that. And then I'm out here sort of saying, hey, fuck yeah, let's all band together and do this thing for our country or like, both our countries because New Zealand and Australia were all blotched together. And the initial response was great. Like I had a whole bunch of people sharing it. Hell yeah, this is this is the this is the right idea. Let's do it. Blah 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 blah. So that was really, you know, flattering to start with and really encouraging, and sort of ignited a new sort of glimmer of hope that things were going to go well. Um, it just it went bigger than I anticipated. Like I had a whole like the shares just went crazy. The original video got some 20, 30,000 views or something across the different platforms. And I was just like, whoa. Yeah. That's cool. It was huge. Like, I remember it because um, I think because you're in America, I don't remember what time it was in Australia when it was released. But I remember by the time I got onto Twitter or by the time I got onto um, on Facebook or whatever, it was everywhere. Yeah. It was yeah. everywhere. Like, it blew up. Like, it was just it was just this whole amazing thing. I think it was this thing that uh, – we needed, but nobody else had kind of conceptualized yeah. that we needed it. Like it was just this whole thing. Because like I talk about, because I'm gonna do. A, uh, there's a little bit of the way I talk about what I think before we before we got you on. The main thrust of what I was getting at was the fact that, you know, you got all these individual wrestlers screaming into a void about you know, you know, trying to be seen and doing all this different stuff. But like it really provided a uh, a banner, like a rallying cry for everybody to get together and and create our own thing you know like it was something we could all get behind collectively and it's not just any one of us trying to do one thing it's all of us together which collectively that information is going to um you know collectively that that pool it's, it's every, like it's the it's the rising tide it was going to help all the all the ships going back to it like uh, the second one was released about a week later um it was mostly just an advertisement for the t-shirt <laughs> which i thought was brilliant because like because i i don't remember the order and the timing and stuff like that but when i went back and looked at it i just thought like because the the mo i don't know if you've listened to the previous episode of this podcast the main thrust that i try to push on everybody is that this is a business yep the the only objective way to measure anything is is with money and so the whole thing is it's like if you were trying to and that's why again i wasn't trying to be rude or anything but like the whole self-promotion thing it was like if you're not trying to get something out of it and then you can't measure the success of it it's like you know if you're trying to build a platform but you you don't pay any attention to the financial side or the money side then you know that that's a measure of how much fans are enjoying it. That's a measure of how much our customers are enjoying it. Is how much they're buying it. So something like that is very important. You know, people have got to have something to support it. We've got to have some way of measuring it. So like it actually, that it let me know that what you were doing was going to have more legs. I think, um, just just from my perspective. Uh, do you remember? Do you remember the third one? Yes, it was like a short while. It was a while after. Um, yeah, it was later. It was December. Do you remember what sparked it? It was just after we'd been put on the map by Tommy Dreamer. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's the one. I remember that. Because, yeah, we, we finally started getting all these House of Hardcore, which I guess then started leading into other bigger shows starting to come out here. Yeah. And then I remember, yeah, because Tommy Dreamer was like, I put Australia on the map. And rather than go in and be heaps snarky about it, I was just like, no, this is a good time to make a response video just to – you're like, no, nah, motherfucker, this is we're putting ourselves on the motherfucking map. Well, that was that was what I thought was part of the point. Uh, because if you actually go back and look at the dates, you released your first one on June second. House of Hardcore came here June uh, sixteen, yeah. so you were just ahead of him <laughs> yeah. in terms of it. But the other thing was too, like uh, when you go back and look at all this kind of stuff, like uh, your promo preceded. Uh, what people really considered to be the turning point, which was Osprey versus Robbie, it was uh, it was a couple of months ahead of time. And I remember when Osprey came down, he said like I hadn't heard of much here, but I'd seen this promo. Yeah. And so like when Osprey got here, he he actually specifically mentioned that that really that was something that really caught his attention about the fact. I think that probably put into his mind. I don't want to speak for him, but it probably put into his mind that there was a scene here. Yeah, you know, he shared it when I first released it. Like I remember seeing that Will Osprey like shared it and was like, "This is," he said, "outstanding." I think it was. It was like a one-word share, something yeah. along those lines. I'm like, "Wow, that's really cool." And I think that really helped it snowball on top of all the Australian people that shared it, which I guess was the point originally, which is why I was hyping up in the video, share the video, because then we're all reaching our collective audience, and it's just going to get to more eyes. 
and then the message will spread further. But I think him being a part of it really helped. And then when he did come out, people were telling me, oh, yeah, he was asking about you because he'd seen your video and he asked if you were any good and say, oh, but the promo was really great. And then I saw him after one of the shows that we did. I think it was after the second show where we had the four-way. I drove him back to his hotel and we were just chatting and he was he, he said to me, he's like, dude, that video was so good. Like when I saw it, it helped me decide. It's like, yeah, I definitely do need to go to Australia. It was like it was one of the factors that was I can tick off on the side of boxes that was like, I'm going to go for this, this, and this. Like there was Aussie Open that were over in the UK telling him about it and this and that. And then he said he saw that and that was just one of the extra things. So I was like, yep, I'll claim that. <laughs> When it first got released and stuff like that in the first couple, did you hear from anybody else, like anybody else kind of like Osprey that you hadn't met before or any like big names? Did anybody else pay attention that you that you can remember? Well, I think Osprey was the only person that I'd seen to sort of share it. Um, I had a bunch of sort of the Australian people message me from different legs of the country and be like, dude, that was really great. Yeah. Good stuff. Great idea. But from memory, like I think T-Banks messaged me as well. But right. I mean, like, I'd already known him before that anyway, but he messaged me to say, dude, that was cool. But yeah, I think Osprey was the one sort of big person who got on board. Well, Shane Thorne was in the WWE by this time, and he endorsed it as well. Because um, this was the early days before a lot of us were getting signed. Like, I think it was only Buddy Murphy, um, Tony Storm, who was somewhere in developmental, or she'd just been, like, announced as released or something. And then you had the TM61 boys. And, and, and Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. I think that was still like the early days of where they were the big. Oh no, I think Tony was still in progress even, but she's just doing big things over there. Yeah. So it was in those in those early days. McKay was 2015. Yeah. There you go. Just getting back to the um to the Tommy Dreamer thing, you know, like my my reaction to that personally was a little bit different to everybody else because when I when I saw that mostly what I I didn't see his promo I didn't see what he said I what what I saw was everybody else's reactions to his promo uh like for anybody who doesn't realize basically tommy dreamer did a promo i think he was talking about the next one how they're going to come out next year or something and he said that house of hardcore is what put australia on the map and uh most australians took a lot of exception with that because this was you know this is the you're going to notice us time this was where we had kind of rallied under this banner to say that we were going to do it for ourselves you know this was just after osprey and robbie and um and like there's lots of like little things happening for us and then he gets on there and says we're the ones who uh first put on the map now i i watched the promo and my reaction to it is he's clearly referencing the fact that he was the first touring brand to come here and then after that world series wrestling was was gearing up new japan was gearing up um who else came out here like there was just like after house of hardcore did it a bunch of touring brand a uh, progress came out as well and so i think that that's what that's what he meant but to me the thing that got me a little bit was that it was like he views us as being so insignificant that like it didn't even occur to him like that the perspective from him was that we weren't even to be taken into consideration i don't think he meant to shit on us like i don't think yeah. he meant to say anything like that but that was just how he saw it which was kind of indicative of how the rest of the world probably yeah. saw us so I, I didn't quite have the snarky reaction that people had but at the same time it was still a little bit like all right <laughs> well, i took it as an opportunity i was like if there's ever a good instigator to make another video then that's probably it because it's directly down the same message. So, hey man, that's the that's the mindset. You know, you view anything that happens as an opportunity to create something bigger. Uh, I mean, that's really what you've got to do to be successful. I think. So um, now, I think the next thing, in your opinion, did it succeed? I think so. I definitely think so. Um, would I like it to succeed more and bigger? Hell yeah! But considering it still exists in its in its current capacity, the now we conquer, which I'm sure we'll get to is pretty indicative of, of a, a successful nature as I speech mark my fingers here because if it didn't succeed, it could have just disappeared into obscurity, but it it persists. I would like to see it sort of broader if, if we could, but I mean, I don't know how much, not that we don't need it, but like things are happening. Like uh, there's a lot of stuff going on for Australian wrestling. Now I'm not saying this movement is the reason that happened, but I definitely think it played a part. I definitely think it was something along the way that's that's helped shape the path the way it's gone. So I would say, yeah, it did succeed. And I think the evolution probably helped because we got to a point where it kind of needed to evolve. Could it have succeeded more? As I said, of course. 
Could it have failed much harder? Hell yeah. It could have flopped straight away and gone absolutely nowhere. So Well, yeah, because I was just going to point out a couple of things. Like, uh, for example, if you go onto Twitter and you go hashtag, uh, you're going to notice us. The most recent tweet that, you know, wasn't me tweeting today was um, was April 24th, 2020. It was, it was oh, a wow. week ago. People still use the tag constantly. It's been nearly three years and it was it, it's it's stuck in people's heads so hard. It, it was such a banner that went off so successfully that even now, people tag you're gonna notice us. Even fans getting on board with it. Whenever like a, a guy gets signed to WWE, they retweet it and say, "This is amazing to see this hashtag. You're gonna notice us." Like it's something that really it's stuck and it still sticks. And the, I think even the problem was when we tried to switch from "You're gonna notice us" to "Now we conquer." Um, people kept using you're going to notice us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think that in part plays into the the wording that I've chosen to use, the branding of said message, because I thought on that a lot and I really, it took me a long time of thought to actually come up with the original you're going to notice us. One of my concerns was it might have been a bit long, but I was like, nah, fuck it. I tried to think of shorter ones that might have been a little bit more... Uh, I guess subtle or whatever you want to, or whatever. But at the end, I kind of felt like this was a really strong point. I was like, it's it's a, it's a real solid declaration. It's it's fucking looking people in the face and saying, hey, you're gonna fucking notice us. It's I think it's really planting your flag at a certain point. And I, I think I personally think the language was so important. It yeah. was so important. Oh. It, it drives me nuts because your is supposed to have an apostrophe in it and you can't put an apostrophe on a hashtag. Yeah. Use the hashtag and spell with the wrong your. They use the- <laughs> Every time I see it, I'm like, <laughs> but no, I think the, the language is super important. It wasn't like, I even had it written down in my notes. It wasn't, please notice us. It wasn't, yeah. you know, if, if you look, you might enjoy it. It was, we are going to kick the fucking door down. Yep. No matter what you do, you are going to notice what we're going to do. Uh, strength in language, the, the specific way that you framed it, um, you know, it wasn't a question. And I, yeah. I think that was I think that was really important part of it, which is probably why it stuck. I think now we conquer is really cool too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I did the same thing. I went through the same mindset. I was like, I wanted something that was direct, forward, assertive, and kind of like ballsy. You know, like it's not really declaring war in a in a way, but you know that that sense of coming forward. You know, now you're going to notice us. Now we conquer. They're both very, I, I can't think of the word. The vocabulary escapes me, but very dominant things to say, which I think strikes people. Yeah. No. Like I, uh, I think yeah. I don't know. Authoritative. So I guess the last thing that I kind of wanted to run through, unless you've got something else to add, was uh, was the real legacy. And this this might be a um, <laughs> it, it, it might be a bit of a, a uh, what should I say a uh, audacious comparison. It might be a bit ambitious uh, to put it forward. But you know, the the Rock said, "Lay the smacketh down and all your candy asses," and then they named SmackDown. <laughs> Yeah, right. You, you you said you're going to notice us. Now, you know, the biggest tournament in Australian wrestling uh, with the coolest reveal videos, that little autom- automated voice that says you've been noticed still yeah. has the hairs on the back of my arm stand up every time I hear it. And that came from – that came from you. What can I say? I'm a trailblazer. <laughs> the, the other stuff too, like uh, PWA's theme song is called Now We Conquer. Yep, which is freaking awesome. Yeah, uh, everybody check it out. Oh, I got corrected on this. Listen, uh, Conco and the Fudge, your your podcast, and I'm using my 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 finger guns here. Cameron, uh, like, okay, Conco and the Fudge, they they use my real name for one thing. You know, uh, they they could have edited that stuff out. Ricky South put in uh, put in my real name. Yes, my real name is Steve. It's not Bonza. Um, you know, and, and Ricky South had a slip of the tongue on there, which isn't his fault, but you know, they could have edited it out and they chose to leave it in there. So here it is. The next time concrete Frank Davidson wants to go out there and big Bill Fudge 
well, the next time they, they want to have that podcast and and not use my uh, and not not take my name out of there, then that's uh, this is what's going to happen, gentlemen. <laughs> So yeah, the next uh, the next business that we could. I mean, what else? What else is going on? From uh, you're gonna notice as it keeps going. I mean, if you actually look at the other companies that have picked it up, like APW, still use it in all their advertising yeah. material. Great at using it. Um, I feel like they've really they, they were one of the main companies that really got on board with it. And I feel like the Australian Wrestling League guys up in Queensland were really trying to get on board with it for a while there as well. Now they're doing their, their co-branding with AWA. And I think as they move forward, they might as again, but from what I could tell they were, but EPW, yeah, they've really been ambassadors for it, which has been fantastic on the opposite side of the country. I think EPW are one of those places where like, uh, you know, like that you still get that kind of like, we want everyone to be good, but we don't want them to be as successful as us kind of thing to a little bit i think epw embody the real we, we just want everyone to be good and that they want to compete based on skill and they want to com- they want to be the best they can so i think that's probably partially why and um but also spw use it all the time too like it's just amazing to see um all the places that, that still use it it's going well do you have anything else you want to add about the topic i don't know i guess if you're listening to this keep keep kind of trying to use it and push it that's good like a lot of the fans have really gotten on board too like when when there's big announcements and stuff, you get a lot of fans uh, retweet it and, and use the hashtag, which is great. So, like, I guess just encourage that because I guess the more we can use it, if we get another blow up or insurgence of moving the, the message, we can we can keep moving forward. And then maybe one day that it'll become we conquered when we're Australians in every country holding the big titles just all over. Like, we're not far off, too. Like, this It's happening. Yeah, like, literally. There's some big stuff, like some dudes and chicks have won some big titles so yeah oh that's the thing i didn't mention did you um did you get any negative feedback or backlash um not directly like i didn't have anyone say anything to me personally that they they didn't like it or they they thought it was was particularly selfish or anything like that uh it's been used like within storylines and stuff like that and and uh, uh, what do you call it? In the narratives and stuff, where where people have called me out for doing stuff like that. But oh, yeah. as I can tell, that's all just narrative, and that's not what they truly feel. Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't care. But if anyone did have a problem with it, they didn't express it to me. They didn't have the courage to say it to my face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I mean, like I didn't, I didn't think you would. I was just curious about it because I mean, it's a largely. I think if you're going to put something out like that out there, if anybody really has a problem like then that's probably more reflective of them but there might be some people who would be like he's just doing this to try and get himself over and i kind of expected that that might happen at some some degree and maybe it has and as i said i just haven't heard about it not maybe i'm sure it definitely has there are definitely people that have thought that um, i call i called you out on the beginning of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> but and that's fine because it is what it is. Do I want to go down in history as the guy who started this giant movie, movement that put Australian wrestling on the map? Fuck yes. That would be amazing. But I want Australia to succeed at the end of the day because I could go out, travel overseas, continue to do what I'm doing without carrying this message, continue to pr- promote myself, and I'm going to get wherever I'm going to get regardless. But by doing this, I can share that as much as humanly possible. Oh look! Could you could you imagine could you imagine the mindset of somebody who was like, I'm going to put all this work and effort and passion and drive into something like that, and I'm just going to not use it to help myself either. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> it's, it, it'd be incredible. Like it, I'm just I'm, I'm trying to picture the mindset of you coming up with something like this when you were genuinely like, but I don't want to benefit from it personally either. Like I always think that uh, that goal goals are best. It's always the most successful when you can come up with something that's going to help you and it's going to help everybody else too like it's a team effort but you're part of that team you know it's just it's just one of those things where yeah like a rising tide thing but you're not going to sink yourself in the in the process you know like so it's just i think of of course it was partly self-promotion um and i think that's why it was important to you know to to address that early on if anybody did have an issue and was just saying he's just doing it for himself it's like well what is every literally every other promo that anybody ever releases is for themselves like but you know but this one has to be different because he also included other people like like come on (laughs) that's what promo stands for yeah (laughs) thank you for coming on and and talking about all that my pleasure bud anytime but i thought while we had you on do you have any uh 
particularly stupid stories from your years of, of pro wrestling that you'd be willing to tell uh, on um, this podcast? I'm, all, I'm always on the spot when these kinds of questions come up, and it takes me a minute to think. Well, I was thinking we could talk about the first time we hung out. Uh, Ben-Hur? Yeah, Ben-Hur. That was, that was an experience. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, at that point in time, I can't even remember the fucking year. It was... Um, it was like so. So basically, for anybody who doesn't know, Ben Hur was this big stage play thing they did at um at the ANZ Stadium. But yeah, or whatever it's called. Well, yeah, that's what it is now. I don't think it was called that then. But yes, the big stadium at Olympic Park. Right. And it was. It was. It was the recreation of Ben Hur where they did the you know the Coliseum scenes. <laughs> uh, inspiration, the Coliseum scenes with all the horse riding and stuff like that. But what had happened is, uh, I and J Benny Coles. Um, was was also as an uh, was with an acting agency and they were looking for extras uh, to play the gladiators and the background soldiers and stuff like that and he went in there and he impressed them and they asked how he did all this stuff and he said he was a wrestler so a bunch of us wrestlers ended up going down there and trying out uh, Mick and I were number 77 and 78 yeah yeah boy so it was the first time we'd uh, we'd ever been forced to hang out together <laughs> Yeah, prior to that, it just sort of been like training through PWA, but I was oh, sorry, AWF, but I was in a different class to you, so it didn't have a lot to do with you to start with. And then for my third class, you were one of the instructors helping with J Law, and then shortly after that, you ended up coming over to PWA before I did. Or that, yeah, and so you'd been at PWA for a while, so even at wrestling, I hadn't seen you as much as before. So this was the first time, yeah, like you said, we were forced to actually spend time and we actually got to get to know each other. Yeah. Um, because in every spot, the numbering was was done because they had the order of, like, people walk out to this line, to that line, or into this grid or whatever. Being adjacent numbers, that meant that Bonza and I were always beside each other. And the amount of take, like, okay, run onto the field, you've got to stay in time into this spot. No, you just did it wrong, reset, and you stand there and wait while the director does his shit. So while you're standing there, you're just talking nonsense. Yeah, and that was right. one of the that was one of the first times we were we were forced to be a team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I one of the things I explicitly remember is saying that I thought one of the leads, one of the women, had a bit of a crush on me. And I remember <laughs> saying, she did. Crush on me, and you're like, all right, Mick, all right. And I'm like, no. And then at one point, she walked past and she gave me the eyes. You went, holy shit, Mick, I think you're right. And I was like, yeah, see, Ready still got it. <laughs> and that's, I remember that. Oh man, she was uh, she was so she was a very attractive French lady because the Ben Hur thing was a French production, and uh, so they'd brought a lot of the main cast over from France, and she was just this like I think was she like one of the uh, she was one of Caesar's wives or something like that. So her job was to stand up there next to Caesar and look pretty. Um, and do all these dances and stuff like that. Makes like, like, just points to this like massive pedestal up above us. Like that one wants me. I'm like, yeah, okay, buddy. And then <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to get sweaty with me already, mate. <laughs> yeah, don't they all? I was gonna say, just, just this is something that I don't know if I actually told you. The same rehearsals at one point while we're doing the run out into the field, I did the old classic. Oh, I've got a fart. <laughs> that wasn't just a fart. So I'm like standing out in the middle of the field and I was like, can I go do a toilet break? And they're like, yeah. So I had to run to the toilet and there was like a slug of poop in my underpants. So I had to like throw them in the bin inside the the bathroom and like clean my butt off. And I was like, great. I just shat myself at Ben-Hur rehearsals. <laughs> no, you hadn't told me that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that the lady didn't know that. Oh man, oh, free ball on the gladiator rehearsals wasn't that an experience? You know what? Okay, just quickly, way off topic from what we were setting up for, but you know what I found out today? I'm about to. Have you ever heard of the word perennium? I have. You have? Okay, so maybe it's just me. <laughs> I I've heard the word. I can't remember its meaning right now though. Oh, uh, okay. Well, you 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 it, it came into my head. You came into my head uh, when I learned what it meant because um because my my wife came home today and she was just like you know I even like I went shopping with your mum and we went looking at baby stuff and I taught her the word perennium which was fun and then the, and I'm just sitting there looking at it going yes what kind of idiot doesn't know what perennium <laughs> is? It turns out that perennium is the technical term for you gooch. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and that made you think of me. 
Well, because your original theme song was Fever for the Flavor. And, uh, <laughs> and, and for years, I thought it was Fever for the Flavor of a Gucci. Of course, the lyric is Coochie. Whatever that is. But that's how that's where my mental association came from. Keeping on that theme, I uh, was listening to a podcast uh, not too long ago, and they were talking about John Nord and Dusty Rhodes when they're in a match. And apparently, you can confirm if it's a thing, or at least if you guys do it, uh, the the muffler, uh, which is basically just a, a bunch of tissues together that you put sort of near your butt just for to absorb the butt sweat. Because apparently, John Nord, when he was wrestling Dusty Rhodes, sort of when he was going to pile drive him, sort of pushed in his tights and the muffler the the tissues fell on the uh the ring floor is that a thing no <laughs> i have a muffler before i've never done it but i have heard of the muffler before the, you know disgusting texans with terrible diets and <laughs> stuff but i don't think most of us uh need to <laughs> <laughs> Like I, I think it's, it makes perfect sense. I, you know, if, oh, if, it's, if it's been a day, you know, a hot day in summer, or you know, just sometimes, you know, there's a bit of ass sweat there, and I'm thinking, you know, what, if, maybe if, I, should, I needed a muffler. If if someone, if I was wrestling someone, and they their ass was so disgusting with sweat that they had mm. to stuff a bunch of tissues down there before they gave me like a power bomb or a pile driver or something like that, there's a whole other level of problem. <laughs> that comes before putting tissues down there like you know a, a shower for example might might be a thing I, I can't i can't envision me being like yeah just put tissues down your butt like <laughs> we, yeah, baby, it's, it's called a muffler baby it's a muffler <laughs> it, it absorbed all that dirty ass sweat this talk of our sweat has actually reminded me of a story that i will quickly switch back to and it was uh, a story in queensland when i had a match with one mr juicy um, this same match, we worked through the crowd. He pulled out a big buck hunter shotgun on me and told me to get the fuck on the ground. And I yielded, but he gave, he set me up for the classic Mr. Juicy stink face. And when you watch a stink face, most people tuck their chin down low and give the forward or turn their heads to the side. And I'm sitting in that corner. I'm like, I'm like, nah, I'm just going to take it straight on because I'm not a pussy. This is big ego moment. And then my nose is buried inside Juicy's crack. And then as he slips away, I'm sure there was like a line of wet that like mist that came out. And I've gotten that first breath of oxygen. Oh my God. It was so disgusting. I rolled out of the ring onto the floor and I'm rubbing my face on the ring apron, trying not to vomit, gagging and just holding it like whole shit. Oh shit! I'm gonna die. I'm never doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you another fun fact. The uh, I think I've had one singles match with with Mr. Juicy. It was for the PWA title in 2015, and um, I think I don't think Hoffman was there that night. Um, and that was prime like Jessica Troy and uh, and and uh, Charlie Evans, Blue Nation like floozy stuff. So I said to him, "Do you guys mind if you if you manage me for the night? I got the big title match, etc." And they're like, "Yeah, no worries." The only spot I had for them was that when Juicy went to give me the stink face, I grabbed them <laughs> and shoved their faces in front of it instead, so I didn't have to take it. <laughs> you literally went the complete opposite direction to what I did. <laughs> this is this is where we differ, my friend. <laughs> well, um, they do say ladies first. <laughs> <laughs> so we were uh, we were talking there about uh, last week we were encouraging people to find us on all the social medias, all the podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes, uh, and Google. Um, I think we'll be a bit more direct. If you can go to iTunes, give us a five-star Meltzer review, uh, take a screenshot of it, tag either myself, Joel Brown, underscore JB, or at Jack Bonza. What are they... Uh, what are they entitled to, Bonzo? What do you think we should give away? Uh, well, I think this week, uh, to thank Mick for uh, for coming on the show and helping us out, I think anything anything on wrestling merch associated with Mick Moretti, be it uh, any of his shirts or or you, you're going to notice us shirt if that's still on there, now we conquer, etc. But yeah, anything from there with Mick. Well, thank you for having me, gentlemen. Bonzo, for the invitation. It's been a delight talking to you. Follow your favorite Rapscallion on all the social medias at Full Rapscallion. The gentleman will see you out. Good night. And that will put 
episode four of Pro Wrestling Audio with Jack Bonza. Hashtag, you're going to notice us to an end. Just a reminder, though, if you want to score yourself a Mick Moretti tee, thanks to the guys there at Wrestler Merch. Hit us up on iTunes, find Pro Wrestling Audio with Jack Bonza. Give us a five-star Meltzer review. And also, while you're at it as well, give us a like and a subscribe on the likes of Spotify, Google Podcasts. But yes, if you give us the five-star review on iTunes, take a screenshot of it. Tag either myself or Jack Bonzer. You can catch me at Joel Brown underscore JB or the man himself at Jack Bonzer. Show us some love there. And in turn, we will choose a winner for a Mick Moretti t-shirt. Thanks to the guys there at Wrestler Merch. But... Until next time. Monsters coming for us all.